Hey, this is Fireman Rob. You know, optimal performance isn't something that happens just by accident. I know this for a fact from being a fireman and doing way too many Ironman triathlons and full firefighter gear. But everybody always asks me, what's your secret? I can give you one secret. That's the right stuff, hydration. Hydration is important when it comes to being present in the moment, ready to run into the fires and being capable of showing up every single time at your best. The Right Stuff was created for NASA by NASA for their astronauts. Now it's trusted by professional athletes in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and most of the top tier college sports. It's not an accident to prepare yourself to be great. If you're looking for that next edge, go to therightstuff-usa.com and enter the code FIREMANROB and you'll get 10% off at your checkout. This is an opportunity I wouldn't pass up. I have and still do use The Right Stuff. It's serious hydration for serious athletes, from the weekend warriors to those on the front lines. Make this a part of your habits to be the best you daily. Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same blood, the same blood, stay by your side, it's right or die, we've got the same. All right, welcome back to Forged in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today's guest, amazing individual who understands leadership on so many different levels, uh, from being a college one, division one athlete to leading on the front lines in the military. He talks about leadership. He has insights and lessons that you really need to listen to today. John O'Grady, great to have you on the show. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Rob. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love everything that you're doing, especially in the leadership and mindset space. It's, it's uh, you know, more needed now than maybe ever before. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate it, sir. It, it's it's one of those things where you know I I love how I always ask my que- uh, question to the guests when I have them come on the show, and you know you identify that passion and purpose is one of the big things that really drives you, and you can tell by all the things that you did post your military career. What is that passion that still drives you today? Yeah, um, t- for me, it's. Uh, you know, I tell people I'm trying to make the world a better place, leave it a better place than I found it. Um, but I absolutely need need other people's help in doing that. Um, and yeah. through engaging people, uh, you know, whether it's young folks or, you know, adults in the leadership space is one of the principal ways I go about doing that. That's awesome. I mean, it, now let's I want to go back actually to your your military career. I mean, uh, very decorated. You've you've been in uh, active war zones. You've you've been a leader. I mean, tell me what was the premise behind when you entered in as a West Point uh, into West Point? What was what was your thought process? Because that's not an easy uh, step to take for a lot of people. Yeah, um, well, this is probably gonna this will I probably like throw you in, in some, of, some of your guests <laughs> off. Uh, 
But uh, honestly, um, it was really about two things. Um, you know, my parents looked me in the eye and said, hey, it's not like we got the money to send you to college. So, <laughs> you know, f- figure it out. Um, or there's a community college down the road that I'm sure if you had a part time job, you could probably figure that out as well. So that was item number one. Wow. Um, and, you know, and that, hey, you know, sometimes hey, it's, I tell it's people, the reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I tell people, you know, sometimes a lack of choices can actually be a good thing. Um, You know, in this case, in this case, it was the second one was um, I was an athlete and uh, I was recruited um, for lacrosse to go to West Point Um, and and West Point then and and now is traditionally, you know, a a top 20 team um, in the nation uh, in Division one men's lacrosse. And so, you know, as a. you know, uh, without my frontal lobe having been fully formed yet, um, <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's, that's, that is one of the best ways I've heard something like that uh, said <laughs> without yeah. my frontal yeah, lobe. Yeah. yeah I, I appreciate that comment. I am still working on mine. Um, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> So when, when you went through West Point, and I think a lot of people um, maybe don't understand like the academies and, and the rigors of the academies and, and really what you put yourself into, and you, you were an athlete on top of that, um, what was the, what, if two things, what were two things that you really uh, brought out in yourself when you went through West Point? Yeah, I think it um, is a uh, stubborn perseverance um, like and that. I put those two together. You could argue perseverance is stubbornness in and of itself. But, but um, you know, I think purpose, uh, perseverance is a little more in, in, um, intentional and, and thoughtful, where stubbornness is just sometimes, you know, there's really no thought behind it. It's just, you know, right. damn it, I'm, I'm just going to get through this or do this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so there was that. Um, And then also, even at that young age, um, you know, whether it be the uh, coaching staffs, uh, the support um, folks at West Point, the professors, the instructors, and then really the, you know, your fellow, um, you know, classmates, uh, you don't realize it at the time, but you are in some pretty rare air. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and I never thought of myself in that way. Um, and quite honestly, probably not a lot of my classmates did either. (laughs) So, um, but, but, you know, when you get to reflect back and you realize, um, just being around that, I mean, you, you know, you can't help, but absorb through osmosis, um, and observation, uh, you can't help but absorb some of their, uh, you know, incredible characteristics, attributes, um, and traits. And, and right. you know, that really be- was the beginning for me of, of a 30 plus years of just being immersed in that type of type of uh, environment, quite frankly. Uh, and that's, uh, that's amazing. And, and when you look at your military career, and I mean, you have uh, two bronze stars, um, you know, you led many different soldiers in many different, uh, conflicts. And when you look at the leadership aspect, um, when you're in, in those austere environments, when you're in those, uh, challenging places and you're the leader that's making those decisions, 
what was the mindset that you had to have? I mean, I know that you come out of West Point with with a skill set, right? Yep. But how did that transition when you got into those kind of environments and you knew the risks? Yeah. Um, well, thankfully, it wasn't until much later in my career that I actually, you know, um, was was offered and, and given a, the humbling and, and incredible uh, opportunity and responsibility to take America's sons and daughters um, right. and, and, you know, lead them into harm's way. Uh, so I think first and foremost, it's, it's realizing the gravity of the, of the sacred trust um, that the American people, whether they realize it or not, who give their sons and daughters um, has with, with me. And I took that very personally, even though I didn't know personally every single mom or dad or brother or sister, um, right. I took it as if I did. Um, wow. So that's that's the first thing. Uh, and then the, the second kind of thing was, um, hey, there are going to be bad days. There are going to be bad stretches of days. And early on, uh, developing for myself, but as well as the, the organization and the people within it that I led, an op, uh, a mindset of opportunity. You know, there's an opportunity yeah. and there's a gift in, in every situation. And it's our job as leaders to identify that and then articulate that to our people in a very clear-eyed way, not in a Pollyannish way, you know, at all, right. um, but just in a clear-eyed manner. I, I love it, and it translates perfectly into your your logo and your brand is probably one of my favorites I've ever seen. OG leadership, it. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's yeah. a perfect combination for your last name, and but um ogleadership.com is where you can find all this stuff but how how did that translate how did you how were you able to translate what you uh learned in that in, in the combat environment or while you're playing lacrosse how did you, how were you able to translate that to corporate environments or you know i i saw that you've uh went to you know the defensive i think it was the defensive uh coordinators for the jets how did you translate that into something that they could tangibly put into uh, their environment or their job when it's not as life or death? Yeah, um, so that's a great question. Uh, you know, so context is everything. Uh, yeah. I, I, I fundamentally believe that the key leadership attributes and traits um, and characteristics are not only uh, transmutable, but they are transferable. Um, and so if you, if you take that approach and you buy into and you believe that, then really what it becomes about is the context in which you put those things into action. And so really for me, you know, it's a little bit of study. It's a little bit of, you know, conversation, a lot of listening um, to folks in those environments. So you start getting a greater appreciation of their struggles, their challenges, and the context in which they are exercising leadership. Um, and when, you know, once you do that, it's pretty easy then to bridge, you know, at least I've found it's pretty easy to bridge the gap, um, you know, with those folks, whether it be, like you said, you know, working with the New York jets, um, with Greg Williams, um, you know, who I'm still friends with today, um, uh, you know, different collegiate NCAA D division one coaches, um, uh, U.S. national team gold medal winning coaches and then out in the corporate space as well, whether, you know, be IBM or, or, or others. And so uh, awesome. you know, those, those are really kind of the foundational pieces of it. 
Uh, and that's huge to, to be able to translate. What does it mean to you for for your legacy? Because I mean, we all do things in our lives to to uh, create an impact, not just on our families, but on other people within our circle and in addition to our community. What does it mean um, for you to take all of your life experiences that you've, you know, obviously they're not all easy and translate that into something that's going to possibly one person can take something and impact their lives. What does that mean to you for your legacy? Yeah. Uh, well, to me, that's really, it, it, that is everything um, for me when I think about legacy, which, you know, I don't think about often. Um, but, you know, when I do think about my purpose and my passion and, and what I'm trying to do, you know, I, I, I fundamentally believe one of the saddest aspects of, of human uh, kind of mankind since the beginning of time, um, and maybe even more so now than ever, is that we, I think, you know, I'd I, I put it at about a, we, we have about a 2% understanding on average of the impact, the imprint that we leave with other human beings that we come in contact with. <laughs> Right. Yes. And and if you think about that for a second and you go, okay, well, what might the other 98% look like? Um, And that really then, you know, helps you understand that, okay, the way I go about interacting with other, my fellow human beings, um, regardless of who they are, what I might feel about them, whether I agree or disagree, needs to be fundamental and foundational in everything that I'm doing. Um, you know, as as another human being, just to be you know the example, if nothing else. And it hit me when I got out of the army, and over the course of you know five, you know, ten years, you know, kind of uh, after leading different right. people and organizations, where you get the random email or, or a phone call, <laughs> and it's like. Hey, you don't realize it, but you know, X, Y, Z happened. That was super impactful. And I just felt the need to come back and tell you that, you know, this many years later. Oh, wow. And I read the email <laughs> and I remember the person. I don't remember uh, th- those details that they articulate about a particular interaction I had. Right. Man, if you would have put a gun to my head before that email and even after, <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember no that specific thing. But yeah. man, they do. And it was yeah. so important to them. And it had such an impact that they felt like they had to reach out five, 10 years later. And so when I think of legacy, I'm like, okay, well, after I'm gone, you know, yeah. what are those other stories and how are people going to then interact with other people based off of things that they experienced with me? It's so powerful. And it's perfect uh, lead in for um, you, you talk about trust framework. I think that's such a, it's such a perfect combination of like kind of what you just talked about, but tell me more about the trust framework because it's, I mean, uh, having been in the military and being in the fire service, that's paramount. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, fire, uh, police, first responders in general, but, but I would argue that, um, you know, so I, I believe that the number one challenge right now, or, or definitely top three, right? I'm, I'm willing to have, you know, the discussion and the arguments. I don't have to have the number one spot. <laughs> is, uh, we, we, as a society, yeah. everything from our most fundamental individual one-on-one relationships, all the way up through the highest parts of our government, um, you know, democratic institutions, corporations, et cetera, uh, right. medical, you know, you name it, right? 
Yep. There is, we are suffering from what I refer to as a trust deficit. Huh. You know, people yeah. talk about the deficit when they, you know, the financial, right? The fiscal, oh, yeah. right? And how that's a huge problem. And, and I would argue, yes, it is. I agree. Um, but but we should also be talking about the trust deficit that exists in, in our world today. Uh, and and so what I, when I was getting ready to deploy to uh, combat, leading about 550 people um, into Afghanistan, into a battle space about the size of Rhode Island. What I realized was I I can't be, you know, I can't be everywhere, nor should I be everywhere, even if I could. Right. um, Because I've got people who are, you know, below me who need to be empowered and held accountable and responsible. Um, And so over that type of battle space in the conditions that we're in, I needed to build trust as the number one thing. I, you know, I had other people in my organization right. who were going to worry about weapons qualifications and everything else. But trust for me is the primordial waters in any organization, in any relationship. And it's why so many relationships fail. It's why so many organizations fail because they start going after a whole bunch of other things that if the huh. bedrock of trust isn't firm and steady, they will eventually fail. And we watch them do it time and time and time again. It's so true. And you know, when you, when you look at trust, it's, it's a hard thing because for, especially for the military, when you go in there and you have, you know, new soldiers coming in and out of different units. And when you get into different environments, what do you see as like the main idea of um, how that trust is gained? Yeah. Um, so it, it's a couple of things. Uh, first, it's um, I, uh, defining as best you can what trust is and articulating that. Because if you ask most right. people, you go into a room and I do this when I do workshops <laughs> and other things. Hey, OK, you know, write down a three to five sentence definition of uh, trust that you'd be willing to share with the group. <laughs> you know how many times I've actually had somebody get up and be able to actually do that? Yeah. And, no, and do it well. Yeah. I mean, that's almost never. Right. Right. So problem number one, we, we have to, we, we have to get trust from more than a feeling because it is a feeling very much so, but we have to get it beyond that so that we can then bring it into our day-to-day interactions um, and recognize that each and every human interaction is an opportunity to either increase the trust or decrease the trust. Rarely Hmm. will it ever stay status quo. Like right now, we're 17 minutes into this and you, you, whether you realize it or not, you either, you trust me more now than when the conversation started or less. That's That's just a fact. Yeah. I love that. I I love that thought process too, because that, you know, if, if we go into situations and we think that it's just going to be status quo, no matter what we do, there's less likelihood, like you said, of the opportunity. I love that. When you when you look at um, the engagement of that process, when you were when you were a leader in the military, <clears throat> and and these young individuals, because that's a, I think that's one of the hardest things is. In the military, you have these young individuals that are looking for identities, just like you said. You know, I, I went, I went into West Point, <laughs> yeah, without a front lobe, um, and 
how do you get that that consciousness of like hey every single moment is an opportunity for them um you know it, it, again it's um empower it's articulating this to your um I, i'll use the phrase i don't like the phrase but you know subordinate leaders yep. you know direct reports in the civilian world right uh, or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever whatever other phrase um, and empowering them to then communicate that to, to their people, you know, because, you know, when you're in charge of 550 people, you, you know, I'd like to think I'm going to be able to speak to everyone individually every single day, but that's just not reality. Right. right and so right. it's first getting those key leaders uh, on board and to understand it. And then it's to live it literally every single day. And so for me, the way I broke down trust was um, it's, it's competency. It's um, plus uh, reliability uh, plus an ability to communicate effectively uh, plus um, love and and love. I don't mean that by the hallmark, you know, emotional, you know, card. It's not a card. Yeah. It, although they're <laughs> part of that, of that right? right? They're, they're a part of that. Um, that for me was how I'm going to view you through the lens of trust and our number one job as leaders and how I am going to first and foremost evaluate you as a subordinate leader is by the level of trust that we have between one another and the level of trust that you have between yourself and those you lead. Number one criteria. I'll get to all the other stuff later. That's the most yeah. important thing. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, that's wow. I, I love that stuff. And it's so important for people to understand their potential. Now, when you, so when you started at West Point, did you see yourself as, you know, rising to the level of Colonel? Did you see yourself rising to the level of, of doing this stuff or, or was it, you know, your expectations like, Hey, I'm just going to get to practice. Yeah. Uh, so when I, when I entered uh, West Point, now I'm going to date myself a little bit, right? It was, <laughs> Was, uh, do you want? Was, do you want me to? Do you want me to beep yeah. it out? Yeah, right. Like, like it's a curse word. Okay, so just get ready with the beeper. You know, but I'll just say there was a movie uh, out at the time, and there was this character called Gordon Gecko, and it was similar to kind of for the younger people in the crowd, maybe the Wolf of Wall Street, and I'm probably oh, there you go, yeah, yep. that one. Um, but. Hey, my, my, my thing was, I'm going to go to West Point. It's a five-year commitment. I'm going to get out after five years. I'm going to go to Wall Street. I'm going to be Gordon Gecko, and I'm going to make a ton of money. And I didn't necessarily <laughs> even care how. Yeah. I was just knew that's what I was going to do. Right? Yep. 30 years later, you know, I'm a colonel in the United States Army. Um, and, and it's interesting because a few points in time over the course of my career – when I kind of thought, oh, shoot, maybe this is it. Maybe my career is over. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, like I'm in a firefight. I mean, right. for, you know, different reasons, right? Running to the wrong boss, you know, yep. et cetera, all, all sorts of different things. Um, I, I kind of started asking myself, I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, that, that young kid, that, that is how this all started. And why <laughs> is it that I'm still here? And what I realized was that the military, at least for me, filled the void that was created the last time I walked off of an athletic field in Mikey stadium at West point in the summer, you know, spring of 1990, wow. um, all the things that, you know, I had experienced as a young kid all the way up to being a young man. 
um, teamwork, perseverance, setting goals, overcoming adversity, uh, camaraderie, uh, shared visions, shared purpose, sacrifice, all those things were things that kind of fueled me. Um, right. And the military became the conduit uh, for me to continue to live in that world. And I wasn't particularly conscious of it initially, uh, quite frankly. So, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, a, that's, that's such that's a, how I got the 30. <laughs> that's a lot of luck. <laughs> hey, and commitment, you know, it's, it, it's a culture. That's what it's, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of athletes um, will go into the military and they'll see that culture is, is similar. And then you mm-hmm. get out and then you're like, okay, well, where's this culture in normal society? Right. That's, right. I, do you see that a lot from um, military members or from uh, companies that maybe are looking at uh, hiring military members? Like, how, what do we have to have as a culture to have them be those optimal performers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's a few things I think associated with that. So f- first, I agree with your observation. Um, and I think it's one of the fundamental reasons when you, you look at people transitioning out of uh, either professional or national team level sports yeah. um, and or the military, the, the, the kind of struggle with the transitions, there, there are a lot of parallel isms and there's a lot of just flat out exact similarities um, that exist with that because largely uh, there's this all of a sudden lack of the culture that again they may not even have been overly cognizant of Um, and it's some of the things that I talked about and it's it's knowing that you're kind of part of this tribe right Right. Um, and and it's a unique (laughs) tribe it's not it's not better it's not no it's very it's very unique (laughs) but it's unique right yeah Um, i'm always always careful not to use words like special or better or anything like that because we're we're not Uh, but we are unique and that should be celebrated and recognized um and then you know to create that in the corporate world um it's a challenge and it's not going to happen overnight and it's uh it's a commitment to things that don't um, immediately uh, translate, you know, to the CFO, right, right. of an organization. Right. So um, a great point. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so that's hard, especially then when you're starting to deal with shareholders, stockholders, board members. Um, and so, I, I, frankly, I see pockets of it inside of um, large orchid organizations. Um, right. Rarely is it found holistically through a large corporate uh, you know entity um, I'm, I'm sure they exist right so if you, right. you have Somewhere. one of those organizations out there and you're CEO and listening contact Rob and you know he'll put you in touch with me and we can have a better conversation about it or yes. just come on Rob's show and I'll listen um, no go to ogleadership.com because I, that is one of the coolest websites ever I appreciate that <laughs> I still I still I, I, I need to get that name or you gotta have shirts. Maybe, you maybe have, I sell you the rights. <laughs> John, you gotta have shirts, man. You gotta have shirts. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it needs to be a shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's so it's so powerful what you're doing. And and um one of the things that I always love is is when uh individuals like yourself who have, have has experiential knowledge um that translates beyond just what normal people um, would go through in their lives or what normal people would be able, be able to experience because a lot of people it's just not 
not their nature or not in their um, wheelhouse to be able to do this. Sure. But to be able to get that information from somebody like yourself, it's so powerful. And I want to make sure people go to ogleadership.com. Um, I always end my podcast the same way with three questions. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Oh, I like it. I like it. All right. If you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, okay. So I'll give you the first answer and I'll decide whether it has to be bleeped out. <laughs> no, um, no, we don't. We don't bleep anything on the show. Okay. <laughs> n- n- number, number one is don't be a dick. <laughs> I mean, it sounds simple. Uh, it's, it um, sounds simple, but it isn't. <laughs> right. But it's amazing when you're not one, just yeah. how incredible things can become. Yes. Yes. I, and actually that your 18 year old self would probably understand that terminology. Yeah. It would understand it. Wouldn't listen, but would understand no. it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So the second one, if you could give a lot of people are going through challenges and struggles and, um, constantly in their lives. And if you could give people two habits to incorporate into their daily lives that can help them to continue to move forward, what would those two things be? Yeah. Uh, so the first one is, a is one of rem- remembering. Um, so when you're going through whatever, however dark, whatever you're going through, there was a preceding moment where you thought this is the worst day in my life. This is yeah. the worst news I got. This is the worst, you know, week moment, whatever. There was a, there, there was something that preceded this current one that you're in. Right. right. And for many of us, the longer we're on this earth, the longer that list becomes. <laughs> so it's don't forget you've yeah. you've already made it through whatever you thought your worst day was multiple times before. So why would you why would you not give yourself some credit, some grace and patience and then perseverance to know you're going to get through this one, too, because awesome. the history suggests that you will. Um, right. That's item number one. Um, you know, I think the second one is, and this is a, you know, something I, I had a three by five card and it may sound a little morbid. It's not meant to be, but, um, every morning in combat, I started doing this. It was uh, suggested to me by a mentor. Um, and, and I wrote down, you know, to today is the day I die. Wow. Now you would think, what are you kidding me, man? Like what kind of dark psychos leading, you know, what? Like, are you right in the head? <laughs> um, but it's very, it's very grounding because imagine, just imagine, right? right if, if you were told, hey, I'm just letting you know, you ain't waking up tomorrow. Oh, that's, that's How powerful. would you go about your day differently? What would yes. you do differently? How would you act differently? Um, and I found that to be very grounding and actually um, helped me be a better person, be a better leader, make better decisions um, wow. with a longer view than just maybe the instant gratification uh, view of things. And it, 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 it accepts your fear. Yeah. That's huge. That's a, wow. That's a, I love that one. I mean, yes, a lot of people would be scared of having a three by five card that says that, but it, that's the whole point of it is like, if right. you accept it, now we move on, you know? Right. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. It's pretty freeing in a way too. Yeah. To your point. I love that. I love that. All right. This last one's going to be fun. Um, if you could have coffee with three individuals at a firehouse table. So in other words, you can ask them any question they have to answer any uh, three individuals that can be deceased or alive. Who would those three be and why? 
Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, it would be Jesus Christ. That, that, that's, that's a good one. one. Yep. Um, cause man, I got a lot of questions or <laughs> <laughs> her. Um, I'm open just, to the idea. Yeah. Um, just questions. Yep. It would be, uh, you know, I think I, I go back and forth. I've, I've been asked this question before, as you might imagine. I go back and forth between oh, yeah. Gandhi and Martin Luther King, but I think I'll, I'll land on Gandhi because of more less of a Western perspective. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that would help, I think, you know, round things out a little bit for me. Um, and then the last one would be uh, George Washington. Oh, I, I, yes, I agree with that one. Yeah. That would, he's, yeah. There's a lot of things we know we don't know about George Washington. I've I've read a few different things. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's a great that's a great table. Make sure you go to ogleadership.com um and if you want to have John come out there and do uh you know, he's got team building exercises, he's got uh, keynote speeches, he's got summits, all sorts of things. Make sure you go to ogleadership.com. John, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Likewise. And again, thanks so much for what you do. And thanks for uh, all your listeners and what they do and, and, and tuning in. So thank you. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.